Oscar Combs here, and I want to put one rumor to rest, once and for all. The story is that Rafferty's goes all out for sports fans. And let me tell you, it's absolutely true. Confirmed. And fans love Rafferty's right back because the food is so terrific. Serve fresh. Serve fast. Serve friendly. Lunch or dinner. Rafferty's menu is jam-packed with all your favorites. Steaks, prime rib, chicken, ribs, delicious dishes and generous sizes that really satisfy the appetite. So come hang with the sports crowd at Rafferty's. It's the tastiest place in town. Welcome to Conversations with Oscar Combs, presented by Rafferty's and Double Dogs Chow House. In episode 84, Oscar continues with Dr. Ben Oldham. The longtime veteran of SEC officials, Dr. Oldham, well, he's seen a few things. First, Dr. Oldham explains the selection process for bowl officials, and then he'll take us through game day from the official side and the game day preparations that are involved. We'll hear about some of the relationships Dr. Oldham has had with a few SEC legends, and how did the UK hospital interfere with the football game, and who was the actor that couldn't get the coin toss right. And we're going to hear about some of the mishaps and follies of the officials. It's a fun and unique look at SEC officiating. With many years as a conference official, Dr. Oldham has seen it all. And contrary to popular belief, officials just don't show up to officiate the game and then leave. And Dr. Oldham explains. If Oscar has a question, it's going to be followed up by a good story. Guaranteed. This is Conversations with Oscar Combs, presented by Rafferty's and Double Dog's Chow House. And his guest, Dr. Ben Oldham. At the end of the season, and you start positioning officials for bows. Is there one outlet that determines who works all the bows? And I, I've noticed in the past, do they work as a group too? Because let's say that uh, Stanford is playing Ohio State. Generally, they're not officials from the Pac-12 or the Big Ten working that game. That's correct. An SEC official, an SEC official cannot work a bowl game where an SEC team's playing. And uh, we consider it a big honor because we talk to the coaches after the season and they say, we thank our lucky stars that we're in the Southeastern Conference because we've seen some of these officials from other groups. Now, they, they may be totally blowing smoke, but, but they, they say that, that the SEC level is so much higher. Than now, it, it, let's say it's a Rose Bowl mm-hmm. and, and you got Ohio State and Stanford. Yes. Uh, will a crew – made up just of, say, SEC or ACC or Big 12 go there? Or can it be a mix of officials from more than one? One, one conference. One conference. That, so you send them to them as a conference crew. As a conference crew. And I assume that's because they've got the continuity yes, and the experience absolutely. of working together. Absolutely. Absolutely. Take me now on a, a typical day when you were fishing on a field. Take me through you and your comrades from the moment you get up in the morning on Saturday morning Let's say it's a, a traditional old 1 o'clock kickoff. You get up at what time and take me right through all your game day prep to kickoff. You're starting too late. On Friday night, the officials roll in, and the officials uh, watch their film from the prior week. And the, they know the comments that the evaluator made. They have because we, we send our comments, in addition to the grade, every play that that official uh makes every call he makes that their, their comments about it. So when I'm grading a film, I'm, I may go through and make maybe with 
180, 200 plays, I may make 50 comments during that, that, and so they will watch their game where there are comments. They will go through their film and see how they did, and they will also uh, ask one of the officials to do a scouting report on the team that they're going to officiate. If a team lines up in a certain alignment, uh, is, uh, is, the, um, is the player – Who's going to catch that ball? Is, does it look like that a player is, is going to run a crossing pattern? Does it look like that team inside the 20-yard line is going to try and pick off one of the defenders? What has been their history? And so, so they, they will have a brief scouting report on Friday night uh, after, after they have dinner. They will meet at maybe 7 or 8 o'clock on Friday night and go over, again, the prior week and a scouting report for the next week. Then on Saturday morning, the officials get up, have breakfast, go in uh, usually around 9 o'clock, and they have a, a view of a, a video that the conference puts together uh, talking about the calls that were the, the great calls of prior week and things that we need to clean up, things that were not. So like a highlight film? Without a doubt. It is a highlight film, and no official wants to be on the highlight film. I don't care how good or how bad, you don't want to make the highlight film because that, that is usually stuff that is not. Uh, They're not usually showing the good calls. It's not the complimentary <laughs> stuff, no. That, that we need to clean this stuff up. And, uh, um, and then they will go through that, and then they will go through. Uh, let's, let's talk about uh, – Short free kicks. Who has what responsibilities? What are you looking for in a short free kick? Uh, what are you looking for? Who has responsibilities on punts? And so they will go over major uh, aspects of the game coming up and who's, who's covering what. Even though every, every official knows that, this is a review. And that, that session usually lasts about two hours. So you see about a 30-minute film from the Southeastern Conference, and then you start talking about the – mechanics of the game linesman line judge what do you look for on on offside can the can the defensive player get in and jump back if he's a defensive lineman if he doesn't make contact the answer is yes uh the answer usually is but usually he'll make a little bit of contact and we don't want to have a broken play let's just blow the whistle and get that over what is uh, an illegal shift what's an illegal false start what are all these kinds of things but talk about that for about the total amount of time is about two hours. In that discussion, do you get into detail in any way about the history of the two teams playing, if it's a rivalry, if they've had bad blood, if there's tendencies that things get out of hand? Is it, The that's, actual game itself, has that played any part in that That's pre-game? Friday night. That's Friday that's night. That's Friday night? That's Friday night. And, and they will talk about – again, are there, are there things that, re, that we really do, do need, need to be, be aware of? And uh, if there are coaches who – really do want to talk to the officials and, and communication is such a big deal now who are the who are some of the coaches that like to talk uh Co- coach stoops even though uh coach stoops because he was a defensive coordinator when i was on, on the field the that the head coaches were absolutely tremendous they were great they they were not uh out of control at all John, johnny majors and i had a great relationship pat Dye and i had a great relationship Coach Bryant and I had great as a stretch, but we had a good relationship. But Coach Bryant was good to the officials. But a lot of the head head coaches come from being defensive coordinators. The defensive coordinators on the field are usually the, the vocal people on the field. So if a defensive coordinator has become a head coach, that person is usually a vocal head coach 
until he gets some seasoning. And, and that, that is true. Uh, Coach, uh, Coach Stoops is not the same vocal person he was two or three years ago. He is getting to be more of a head coach mentality, doing a great job with that. But if the officials get to the sideline and explain to them what's going on, that's, that's usually fine with them. And one thing, I've heard head coaches say this, just tell me, if, if you blew the call, you know, we, we blew plays that they're drop passes, quarterback throws, throws a pick, that, that's how. Just tell me, coach, we just blew it. Then they do Richardson do that now? Yes, yes. Let me tell. You, I had a game. Uh, th this wasn't my call. I, I had a a huge Florida game, and the uh, the officials are told watch the action of the player. Don't watch the football. Keep it in your peripheral vision. Don't watch the football because you glance at the football, and the players are going to do something that'll get you in trouble. Well, this fellow was was a back judge. And I was covering a long pass. I was straddling the goal line. The ball comes down. And, and this player, I glanced over to him, and he was covering the players as the ball came down. And he glanced up at the ball, and the players ran into him. It was going to be a touchdown pass. Florida was going to have a touchdown pass. And the ball sailed in the end zone, incomplete pass. And this guy's hat flew, flew off. He was embarrassed. He was probably crying on the field because he embarrassed himself in a major game. And I had to go over and tell Steve, Steve Spurrier. I said, Coach, the player just ran into him. And Spurrier said, officials part of the field. That happens. I couldn't believe it. I, I, I told Coach Spurrier. Th this was uh, uh, three or four years ago when he was at South Carolina. Uh, I said, Coach, let me give you a compliment. I said, uh, my time on the field, about half the pictures in my weight room, you're in my ear. You are talking to me. You are going after me like crazy. But I said, that was for 10 seconds, and you were back on your game plan. A lot of unsuccessful coaches stay on a particular call, and they get away from their game plan. You don't do that. And Steve Spurrier kind of looked away. He said, you know, as I think about it, you had a lot of bad calls in my games and cracked up, <laughs> cracked up laughing. But he had, we had a great relationship. But, again, he was one. He'd be upset, and then he'd be back on his game plan. And that's one of the reasons he was as good as he was. So you, you get through all this oh, pregame stuff. Uh, pregame. Then, then you go back. You may have a really light, light lunch. And then uh, go back, get dressed uh, about uh, – usually meet about three hours prior to game time, dressed in the lobby of the hotel, and they have a police car that shoots you off to the ho hotel, I mean, shoots you off to the stadium, and uh, then... Uh, i got to stop you there just for me. a second. You're in the lobby of the hotel yes. waiting for the escort. Yes. Everything. Have you ever been approached for an autograph in the lobby of a hotel in uh, uniform? Usually, usually it's more a, a, a picture. I, I've never been approached for an autograph. A picture, yes. yes. Routinely, yeah, R routinely that happens, and and it's a big deal. You know, the fans are there, and well, it's, sure, a, it's sure. a fun experience. For, would for would them. you have signed an autograph if you'd been? Well, nice sure, absolutely, yeah. absolutely. Okay. Uh, but um, by the way, I've got a I've got a referee's hat, and I can't remember which Super Bowl it was, but you know who I'm talking about when I tell you, uh, Jim Diopolis. Yes, uh, used to be here in Lexington, and he finally got to work a Super Bowl. Yes, and. So they, they, they must have had 25 or 30, and they passed around, and all the officials signed it. Pretty neat. 
Absolutely. But they, he felt good somebody wanted his autograph. Oh, Jim's uh, a good guy. He is a good guy. And it's funny, Jim Jim worked the Super Bowl the year that I worked the national championship game. Oh, is it? Yes, yes. That, we, that long ago. Yeah, that, that long ago. <laughs> right. And, and I, I, I talked to Jim on the phone. Uh, Jim wanted, wanted to come up to the Kentucky-Georgia game, wanted, wanted me to get, to get tickets for him. Well, I, I couldn't get tickets. At that point, he called me about three or four days before the game, and I said, Jim, I, I would lo- love to, but I, I, and I'll, I'll make a couple of phone calls. They, ben, I'm sorry. There's, there's nothing here. Well, I don't know if you know this or not, but Jim is big on Twitter. Oh, is he? Yes, and he tweets and critiques oh, really? Monday night football and really? Thursday night football. Really? Yes, and, and he's really good at it. I mean, but just like that. And I've got another friend who used to be the NCAA in basketball, a guy by the name of John Adams. Oh, yeah, sure. He started doing all the Kentucky games for me. And, I mean, it's, you know, he'll come up and he'll, he'll pick out something. I mean, he's seen it through the eyes. Oh, sure. Official. Oh, without a Not doubt. Not a fan. Without a doubt, yeah. And you pick yeah. up like, – and both of them have been really good. I, yeah. I, it's – it's uh, I, I, if you just search for at Jim Diopolis or at John yeah. Adams, you know, they're pretty good. And uh, it, it it's pretty neat the insight they gave oh, you. Oh, sure. You know, because fans really don't know. I mean, they know basic things, but rules change so often. You know, but take me back. You're in the van now. You've got a police escort to the stadium. All right, get 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 the stadium. Make sure everything's there. Uh, the both teams bring the footballs in to make sure that they're properly inflated. I was in a ball game at let me think now at, at Florida. Spurrier was at Florida, and Flor- Spurrier threw the ball all over the field. I mean, and we checked the game the balls before the game, and when the game started. The ball came in to the umpire. The umpire usually was the fellow who spotted the ball. He felt this ball. There's not enough air in it. Threw, threw it out. They threw another one. There's no, they've been letting air out of the balls. So, oh, so no, England's not the only uh, team that uh, does that. Well, whether, whether it was real or not, but he said, we're not playing with this one. And when they got down to the fourth or fifth ball, by we, we said, okay, we're playing with the other team's fo- footballs. In two minutes, all the balls were properly inflated. <laughs> so yes, and and that was what game was that? Oh, it was uh, it was a Florida ball game, but I don't don't matter which which team they they were playing. But uh, again, Spurrier Spurrier was a great great uh, Spurrier never would fool around with the inflation of a ball. <laughs> no, <laughs> no, no, but he was he was a great. Yeah. Uh, uh, so you check the balls, yeah, check check the balls, and then there is a one hundred and ten minute meeting, one hundred and ten minute. Before kickoff, they bring all the game management people and the the officials, some of the officials, in to talk about uh, if there is a, a weather alert, if there's a bomb scare. There are different kinds of things that might happen. Who goes where? Who has what kinds of responsibilities? So every game we go in and we talk about those kinds of things, the logistics of getting everything done to get the game match. What time kickoff is, the TV people are in there, how many timeouts there are per quarter, how many floaters there are per quarter. Um, so go through the whole layout of the game and managing the game. And then at 100, uh, at one hour before kickoff, uh, some of the officials come on the field. If it's a, a very tightly, highly contested game, then all the officials are on the field to separate the players. Can you call a penalty? Can you throw one a hour prior? All right, let me, uh, uh, Oscar. You asked me a question. Let me tell you a story. I had the Florida Florida State game. 
Um, and it, it was number uh, three playing number four in the country. I, th- I mean, it was a big, big ball game. So uh, it was played in Tallahassee. Uh, Florida State has a, um, a practice before the game. They will come in, and they will, uh, uh, just before they go in the dressing room, the team will gather around the, the symbol in the middle of the field, take off their headgears and jump up and down, and the Seminole comes out riding on his horse, and he throws a flaming spear in the ground. You, you know the, the drill. Well, Florida knew the drill, too. <laughs> Florida's players. I were, think I know where you're. Florida's players were standing on the logo in the middle of the field, and they weren't going to let the, flat, the Florida State players come and um, throw the flaming torch and, and and do what they always did: take off their headgear. So I was standing on the side. This is an hour before the game time. Uh, this may have been 30, 30 minutes prior, but they're walking toward, it and I said, "This doesn't look. Something doesn't look right about this whole thing." So if they got close, you started seeing players jawing, and I started moving toward the middle of the field. And then assistant coaches from both feet, both teams run out, grab players, get back on the sideline, throwing them back, get back on the sideline. And one of the uh, Florida, Florida State coaches grabbed a Florida player. He, he just turned – their coaches were just grabbing players, turned and put his hands on a Florida State player – I mean a Florida player – the Florida player hit him in the jaw, dropped him, knocked him down right in front of me. So I pulled out my game card, and I wrote down, number one, eject. Oscar, I ejected a play. Uh, not number one. Number one. I threw him out of the game before the game ever started. And so we, we called the coaches on the game, uh, out on the field, and says, coaches, uh, our jurisdiction begins an hour before game time. Yeah, we, we know. We have some ejections. There was some fighting. And Steve Spurrier said, what happened? And the referee said, all right, for uh, Florida, uh, eject number one. And Steve Spurrier said, number one? Number one? That's Tony George. He's, he's a first-team All-American. This, this is his last game as a senior. This is the last Florida-Florida State game he's going to play. He said, who threw him out? I said, I did, Coach. And the, probably the only time in my career he called me by name. He said, Ben, what did he do? I said, he hit a Florida State assistant coach and knocked him down right in front, front of me. He's out of the game. He said, Ben, this is the last time he's going to play in that game. I said, Coach, last year was the last time he's going to play in that game. And I had that picture. A photographer took that picture, and I was burning a hole in Steve Spurrier with my eyes. I mean, he was if he said anything else, he might have been in the dressing room. I mean, I was furious about it. But we, we threw him out of the game, and Florida State picked on that position all afternoon long, won the ball game, and Florida came back in uh, – I don't know if it was a national championship game then or not, but Florida ended up winning the game the next time they played because it, it may have been for the national championship, but Florida ended up winning the ball game with Tony George in the game. But I had that game card at home. Number one, eject. So, and and so have yet? Did you have to do throw that flag or throw anybody else out in any other games before kickoff like that or not? no? That, that's that's the only that time the only, only time I've ever, ever had that happen. So, is that the only thing you can do before kickoff is throw a person out? You can't throw a flag and, and make them mark it off 15 yards or anything? Uh, you, you can, you can uh, mark off. You, you can ha- have, have the kickoff start 
15 yards downfield. Oh, okay. But there there were players on both teams. There was unsportsmanlike conduct, both both teams and, and that kind of thing. But one was thrown out, and I threw him out. <laughs> so you come out on the field, you meet with the captains? Meet, meet with the uh, um, – at uh, – the officials are on the field an hour before, and then at 45 minutes, or at 40 minutes prior, the officials come on the field and they check their their pagers. If there is a replay, they they have pagers. They wear a buzzer that goes off, and and they say the the previous play is under further review. Funny story about the University of Kentucky. I was not in the game because I couldn't call Kentucky ball games, but uh, the uh, the players were on the officials were on the field. The the pagers went off. The buzzers went went off. The referee steps out and with a uh, puzzled look on his face and and uh, said the previous plays under further review and went to the sideline, put on the headset and they said we don't have anything. They found out later that the UK hospital was on the same frequency as that and there was a helicopter bringing an emergency patient in the UK hospital and the pagers went off on the field. Honest truth. Well, I wonder if if that helicopter company used to uh the, me- the medical helicopter would land right there next to the stadium oh, it's and close they'd take them it's close but was it was that the time or was it I, with I, I, you don't I, know i don't know because yeah. I, I wasn't there but i do know the pages went off yeah. and whether they got frequencies changed yeah. or something that hasn't hasn't <laughs> happened since but that happened all right so so the, there 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 is a pager check at at 40 minutes prior and then uh then the officials at five five minutes prior get the um get the captains and bring the captains on the field uh, and then walk out for the toss. Funny thing about the toss at the uh, national championship game, John Goodman, the, the actor, mm-hmm. he, he was going to bring the coin out and he was going to walk out. I brought the captains out for 25 years. I brought the captains out for the toss. John Goodman was coming out on my sideline and he's, he's an actor. And he said, now, now tell me exactly what I'm supposed to do. I said, John, just walk out there with me. You're not going to have to do anything and hand the coin to the guy in the white hat. You're not going to toss the coin. You're going to hand it to him in the white hat. And so a couple, couple minutes, Ben, let's go over this again. I said, John, you just walk out on the field and hand the coin to the referee, the guy in the white hat, and he'll toss the coin. You don't do anything. Just walk out with me. A couple of minutes, Ben. Let's go over this again. So we did that a couple of times. And so it came time to walk, walk out, and I turned over to John Goodman. And I said, John, there are no retakes. And you could just see the, the blood just drain out of his face as we walk, walked out. And, and, and we, we laughed about it later. But uh, nice guy, but, uh, um, but those, those kinds of, uh, of great experiences happened. But, again, uh, walk, walk the captains out at three minutes prior, that, at three minutes prior to kick off toss a coin, then the officials gather again for another pager check to make sure the pagers go off and then uh, break break to their positions. And uh, between each quarter, there is another pager check to make sure if the game is shut down for replay, you want to make sure they get the officials' attention. And if if the pagers don't go off and occasionally they, they don't go off in a timely manner, the next play is started and the pagers go off. It's usually a one second. You, you've seen this happen, yeah, Oscar. Yeah. The, the next play gets, and it's embarrassing. It's embarrassing for the officials. It's, it's awful for the fans, but, but it happens. And so uh, that's just one of those technological things that happens. Do, uh, do, do officials like players 
approach a game, sometimes has butterflies, and then the minute that ball goes in the air, everything is back to normal? With, with me, I'm not sure. It was maybe a little bit, uh, but once the ball is, is kicked off, it's almost like calling it a scrimmage. It's really – I forget about – Everything. Forget about everything. Now, one of the one of the officials that I worked with, one of the finest officials I've ever worked with, would throw up before every ball game. Wow. He would go in the restroom, and he was he was a good player for Georgia Tech, but um, but he was so emotionally involved in the game, he'd go out, clear his stomach, and he was fine. Terrific, terrific official. Halftime. What goes on at halftime? Halftime, you you go in and. Uh, uh, just talk talk about things, just routine things. Stretch a little bit, but talk talk about things that might have happened, things you might want to be aware of for, for the second half. One of the things that happened at Tennessee several year, years ago, uh, going in for halftime, somebody jostled the referee, and the, the referee has a, a microphone, and it hit his toggle switch and turned it on as he <laughs> ran off the field. And the first thing he did when he went in the dressing room, as most officials do, he, he ran the restroom and was followed shortly thereafter by somebody coming from the field. Turn your microphone off. Everybody in the stands is hearing what's going on in here. So, honestly, I was in the game. I, I saw it happen. Is, how, is it embarrassingly embarrassing or just a chuckle later when officials have been caught for three or four minutes having his mic on, he's joking, saying things that – he wouldn't necessarily want the fans to hear it's a during joke. a game. It's a, it's a joke for all the other officials on the field except him. <laughs> there was um, – um, I mean, after one of the Kentucky games this oh, year. Oh, oh there, there, there are things that officials say that uh, they have no business saying and they're sometimes four-letter words. And the, the, um, the officials in the booth can hear all that. And we have – you know, now they wear the headsets and the officials in the booth say – Tell the referee to turn his microphone off. Off, referee, off, off. Just going on with that, but that, that happens. Now, so, something funny, talk, talking about having having headsets where you can hear things. I, I was uh, in the booth. No, I was in Birmingham. I was uh, one of the collaborative officials, and um, we have direct contact with the officials in the booth. When the play is shut down, the, the play goes to the officials, the collaborators in Birmingham, and they, they talked to the officials about the call, what the call was, what the proper call ought to be. Did you see his foot was down in bounds? There's a, a collaboration procedure that, that they go, go through. Well, uh, this was a game at Texas A&M, and uh, the, uh, Steve, Steve Shaw, who's the uh, coordinator of officials in the Southeastern Conference, his cell phone went off. And quite often, if, if his cell phone go, goes off, it's usually Gary Danielson or uh, somebody from a major game calling in, tell us the rule on this. We want to get this right. Tell us what, what the rule is. His cell phone went off, and we, we had all the games. There there's 17 big screen TVs um, in the um, uh, video center. And his cell phone went off, and we didn't see anything why his cell phone was going off. There was nothing of great importance going off. And uh, I heard Steve Shaw say, Grace? Why are you calling me? Well, Grace is his administrative assistant, and she was at home watching one of the ball games. She said, who is responsible for the Texas A&M game? Well, Ben has that, has that ball game. He's, he's watching Texas A&M in particular. Well, tell him to radio College Station, Texas. Again, I was on a headset talking to College Station. 
the referee zippers down. <laughs> Tell the referee to zip up his pants. So, so, so I was, I was on, I was on the phone talking to College Station, Texas, from Birmingham, Alabama, telling the booth in College Station to get to the field to tell the referee now, to zip his pants. Now up. the cynical fan will say, "Did he have anything better to tell that referee <laughs> than right. to zip his pants?" At that point in the game, no, I didn't. So, so. Game's over. Yes. And from the games I've been to, they whisk you right to that yes. van and yes. right back, to, I guess, to your hotel and yes. then yes. on your way home. The official – no, no, not on the way home. Uh, take the officials back. The replay officials get the recording of the game. And we get whisked back to the game. But it's usually about 30 minutes to 45 minutes after the officials are there. So they're usually dressed. And in a conference room uh, after the game – and that's when uh, I would come in as now an evaluator and talk to the crew about what I saw, what I liked. And that usually takes about an hour. I usually talk to them about an hour after the game. So they, about two hours after the game, they're finally ready to go home, but they usually don't. You, they have a two-night minimum in the hotel, so they usually stay, so stay over that, that night. So typically, if it was a Kentucky home game and it's a 1 o'clock game, say the game's over about 4, they're back to hotel about 4. 4.30, about 5.30, you're meeting with them. And, and then I'll meet from from 5.30 to 6.30, and then they they may go out to eat. They may, they may watch the game that, that night, something something like that. And Unless then, they're driving, they're over, overnight. Yes, yes, and and usually they are overnight because they don't want them close close to home. But talking about running off, off the field, another, another story. I had a, a game that uh, at um, – I had Auburn, Florida. I think it's number three playing number four, number four playing number five. And uh, there was a critical play. These were two great, great teams. And uh, Auburn was uh, leading 14 to seven. Florida was going in to score. They ran the ball from about the eight-yard line in, and the ball carrier from Florida stuck the ball. You know, if the ball breaks the plane of the goal line, it's, it's a touchdown. So uh, he stuck the ball out to get over the the, uh, the goal line. Somebody hit him, and the ball came loose. We called him short of the goal line. The ball rolled in, in the end zone, recovered by um, Auburn. So the ball goes over. It's, it's a touchback. Auburn gets the ball going the other direction. Uh, Charlie Pell, who was a great player's coach off, off the field, as great a guy, but he was one of those volatile people. I mean, he was he was crazy on the sideline after, after that, that call. Very next play, Bo Jackson went off tackle 80 yards for a touchdown, 80 yards for a touchdown because they were so emotionally distraught. So rather than being 14-14, it was 21-7, and the game ended up 21-14. That, that was the call and the play of the ball game. And so after the game, Charlie Pell – chased us off off the field and occasionally have I mean we were we always run off the field got in the van and and Charlie Pell I can see him like it happened yesterday pointing his finger at us and said as long as I'm at the University of Florida you'll never work another game down here well we had three games of Florida the next next year and Charlie Pell was not at Florida the next year now, now that his action had nothing to do with his firing but uh, but but again, coaches are are, are volatile. They're, they're they're taking care of their players. I can understand all that because of the emotion of the game. But uh, we are whisked away. Believe me, we're whisked away after the game. Back to the game itself. What's the toughest call for a football official? 
Uh, my thinking is it's pass interference. I, I, is it defensive pass interference? Is it offensive pass interference? It all happens so fast. Holding in in the the, the line usually you can you can you can see it. See a jersey pull. They they take his feet away. Uh, those kinds of things. And maybe I'm saying that because I was always a deep official, but that is a tough call. That is such a tough call because what was there any intent involved? Did did he restrict him? Did he was there a hook and turn? Did did he make early contact? So in my opinion, the toughest call is offensive or defensive pass interference. That leads you right into the very good question oh, I was going to ask. Her, no, nineteen. I want to say eighty-one or eighty-two. Kentucky plays Tulane in the Superdome. Fran Kersey. I know the game. You know the game. You there know where were, I'm going at. There were, there there were, were two pass interference calls. In the final minute. In the final in the final minute of the game, I know one of the, one of the officials was from the Southeastern Conference. One was from, from the, the, the other conference. It's the, it, this, this crew was called the Southern Independent. Sequoia. Sequoia, yes. Southern Independent. And they basically called Louisville, Memphis, Southern Miss, Tulane games. It was a, at that time, it was a split crew. It was a split crew. So okay. half half SEC officials, half Sequoia officials, and one of the Sequoia officials called pass interference, one of the SEC officials called pass interference, and at that time it was a spot foul. And so the ball went from one end of the field to the other end of the field to end up deciding I the think, ball game. I think the play started on the um, – Kentucky eight yard line and the first penalty was at midfield. Yes, it was. I can I can see it like it and, happened yesterday, Oscar. And I, w- I was standing about oh fifteen, twenty feet away with Russell Rice. And we, 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 I, with the flag went and we thought, hey, they got it. It's I, offensive I, pass interference, but they called defensive pass interference. And then the next play, one of the officials, and I guess the SEC official, one of the officials was from Atlanta. That was the one who called the the, the, the second one was from from Atlanta. The Billy, first one, Billy Billy Tease. He has since passed away. Yeah. Billy Tease made made the second and call. The, the first call. Well, the other call was made by official from Louisville. That's correct. I, so I, go ahead and take me through it. Then. Well, I I just remember the the two, two calls. Uh, on Monday after that game, I was at the in the Kentucky film room with Fran Kersey and C M Newton, and they said Ben talk. I said Coach. I can't talk you, about. You mean it. Cliff, not CM? Was, was it Cliff then? Yeah, eighty-two. It was eighty? Oh, okay. Whoever it yes, was, Cliff. The Cliff. the the AD and and Kurt, I, I do remember Kersey was yeah. there because uh, I said, Coach, I I can't talk about it. I can't I can't talk about the calls. Do I do I have an opinion today? Yes, I do, <laughs> and I'm not going to talk about it. <laughs> <laughs> the uh, the ironic thing is the the following day on a Tuesday, Larry Ivy got a call from the Superdome. And they had a bill for oh. thirty-seven hundred dollars damage that Kersey had done to oh, the locker room really? after the game. Really? Yeah. Now the one the one thing I will tell you about as a result of that play. Yes, tell me. The next year, the rule was it's not a spot foul any longer unless it's less than fifteen yards. Now it's fifteen yards maximum. The pass interference call is 15 yards maximum unless the pass interference occurs within that 15-yard band, and then it is a spot foul. How much has officiating changed or been affected, and maybe I should say, or officials been affected from the days of when you basically had no TV to now where everything is on TV? 
really officials don't think about it. Uh, what, let me tell you something, something funny about about when, when I started. I came in as a deep official, official officiated my whole career as a deep official. Uh, when I came in, I'd fall asleep back there because the SEC was a running conference and <laughs> nobody throw, throw any passes. I mean, I, it, it, I need to have passes. Or I need to be involved in the game. I was not involved in the game. I was just standing back there. Eating a little popcorn. <laughs> whatever I could find. I, I mean, Gatorade, popcorn, whatever. But then, then Steve Spurrier came in, in the league and the game changed. And, but then again, did I not like it? I loved it because I wanted to be mentally, emotionally, physically involved in every play. And when Steve Spurrier came in, I was involved in, in that way. But again, there were lots of passes, much like the game today. But, but the deep officials love that. Explain instant replay. I'm not sure what you mean by that now. Now, if, if, if there is something that is extreme, officials uh, – Replay officials cannot get involved in every kind of play, like pass interference. We cannot get involved in that. But plays like uh, did the ball break the plane? Was the ball out before, uh, before the player fumbled? Uh, or, or, or was a knee down? Uh, I had a play last, last week where it was called on the field a fumble, and it went up to replay. I was in the replay booth grading the officials, but I, I looked over the re at the replay officials' uh, screen and I said, oh, his elbow's down before the ball was down. He said, let's, let's get, get another angle. I said, you can, but his elbow was down before the ball came out. So they, they quickly made a decision. But fumble, no fumble. The hardest thing for a, for a replay official, though, is catch no catch. Did he have possession? As he was going out of bounds, did he have a foot down? Yes. Did he possess the ball first? Would the, uh, would the game be improved or would the quality of uh... – Replays be uh, determined better if TV had cameras on each sideline looking down the field. That's coming. That's when, when, when I when I did the Rose Bowl. I was a replay official in the Rose Bowl. Uh, whenever I met, whenever I had a ball game, I met with a producer before the game, and I said, "You have a game to produce." Uh, if you give me the money shot, I'll make my decision in a hurry, and I'll get you back to playing football. I said, now, most of the big, big ball games I've had, other bowl games, I have as many as 16 cameras. How many cameras do you have? And the producer looked up at me and said, 40. I said, 40. He said, we have cameras in pylons looking right down the sideline, right down the goal line, right down the end line. We have 40 cameras i said all i want is the money shot you give me the money shot i'll let you play football funny thing when i was doing the fiesta bowl i, I went to the to the producer said the same thing he said okay when you shut it down for replay we're going to commercial i said you're making a mistake i said i'm quick i said i want to i want to get you back in the game he said okay i'll give you one chance when you shut it down if you can rule quickly I will uh, – we will go with you from that point. I said, okay, first, first quarter, shut, shut it down for replay. They sent me the money shot. 37 seconds later, we were playing football. And I, there's always a red phone in the booth, like, like the bat phone or whatever. The, the, the red phone goes off. I picked up the phone. And it says replay booth. They said, okay, this is producer. It's all yours. You got it. You let us play football. So 
they let me have it. And I, I had a reputation for, again, making a quick call and getting them back to playing football again because I have a major concern. I was, I was talking to uh, an official this morning, a replay official this morning. I was really concerned about teams with a, an up-tempo offense. You have a targeting call that is an overturned targeting call. It really wasn't targeting. And uh, an up-tempo offense team is stopped from its momentum from a targeting call that might go to their advantage, but it's not, and it gives the other team, the defensive team, an advantage. And advantage, disadvantage, that's one of the reasons for the rules are written. Advantage, disadvantage. You want, don't want to give either offense or defense an advantage. Either way, and I am concerned that some of the replay stops are so long that they are taking the game away, the advantage away from an up-tempo offense. Why, I've asked this of several football officials. May have even asked it of you sometime in the past four or five years, and nobody's been able to come back with a definitive answer. Why are the four pylons the only place on the stripes of a football field that's considered fair ground? Now, now talk to me about fair ground. Talk, me, talk to me well, about if, what, what if, you're if, about. If, if I go up and catch a ball, yes. or I'm running down the field, yes. And I hit that pile on. You're, you're out, out of bounds. I'm out of bounds? Yes. It is off the field. It's, it's, it's part of the sideline. But if you touch that pile on with the ball, it's a touchdown. Because it's, it is part of the goal line, too. But how can it be part of the goal line, the out of bounds line at well, the same well, time? Because, because the, the, the pile on does not extend. The pile on, the pile on is right in the middle of the goal line and the sideline. Mm-hmm. And so where the goal line ex- ex- extends, if, if you touch, if you're running down the field and you touch the pylon, the pylon is also in the end zone, and the end zone takes precedence. Okay. Now, if, if nobody else gave you a good answer, I gave you the no, right you answer. you gave me the answer. I gave you the right answer. I didn't give you the, I gave you the right answer. Toughest place to work in the SEC? <sighs> Probably LSU. Probably LSU. Although, really, uh, between the hedges at Georgia, that's it's tough. Between the hedges, the, so many, uh, so many schools have have such history. Uh, let, let me, uh, Oscar, I apologize for telling another story, but I, I was calling a ball game in Tennessee uh, fairly early in my career, and I I told you I always took my family with me. I, I wanted, uh, I'm a family man, and I wanted my son and my daughter at the game, and they were at this Tennessee Tennessee game, and it was a game that. Uh, uh, Tennessee was supposed to win. It was one of those early season games. And uh, it was in my career. I had never had, had a bowl game yet. Again, there weren't that many bowls back, back then. But uh, Tennessee was supposed to beat this game, this team by three or four touchdowns. Well, they were uh, – Tennessee had a, a field goal lead, and they were trying to run out the clock. Well, one of the uh, Tennessee players – Tennessee had the ball. One of the Tennessee players, third, third down, runs down the field, dead ball – slugs one of the opponents. Apparently, he was not on an academic scholarship because he slugged one of the, one of the opponents. I saw it happen. Again, I, it was down, downfield. I threw him out of the game. Fans were, were booing me. They were throwing things on the field. And Johnny Major saw it. He said, Ben, I saw it. My family was in the stands, Oscar. My family was sitting there. My, my son, 10, 10 years old, who understood the game, my daughter, a real academic, she might have understood the game or not. I don't know. And, and my wife was there. 
fortunately, they didn't say that's dad down. It was dad down the field, but dad made that call. Well, it had to be fourth down, penalized 15 yards. As luck would have it, the opposing team ran in and blocked the punt into the end zone and scored to make it a four-point game. Tennessee was down. If you think the fans were booing, talking about a tough place to officiate, you think the fans were booing then, they were booing like crazy at that point, and they were booing Dad because it was Dad that caused the whole thing to happen. So they uh, uh, brought in the offensive team. Derek Dooley was, was the quarterback, great quarterback and a good guy. I've gotten to know him over the years. Great guy. Moved Tennessee down the field, right down that great two-minute drill, final play of the game, threw the ball in, in the end zone. The player went up for the, for the catch, uh, a big pile-up. The receiver came up hold, holding the ball up like I scored the winning touchdown. Fans were cheering like crazy. Out of 100,000 people, one person saw the ball hit the ground. Dad, I saw the ball hit the ground. I came in waving it off. No, touchdown, incomplete pass, game's over. Tennessee loses by four points. Well, fans were throwing things, booing us like crazy. And I had to get, you know, after the game, I had an impressionable family in the game. They're watching the game. So, finished the game, cleaned up, went, went back to the, the room and got my son off to the side. And uh, I said, John, I saw the ball hit the ground. I've got to look at myself in the mirror every, every morning. That was an incomplete pass. Was that game on TV? No. Uh, but uh, is, is that a, a situation where you as an official wish it were on TV? Yes, absolutely. absolutely. It because it would show it. Now, the, 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 the film later did show it. But uh, – I said, John, I've got, he said, I know dad, you know, he's he's 10 years old. So in my counseling voice, uh, I said, John, what'd you think when there were a hundred thousand fans booing your dad? He said, dad, I was booing too. (laughs) And and, and this, this is the emotional scars that I have from doing all that. You've just finished episode 84 of Conversations with Oscar Combs, presented by Rafferty's and Double Dog's Chow House. Our thanks to Dr. Ben Oldham, and there's more, and that will be in episode 85. As with all episodes of Conversations, they are available for you for your mobile devices via iTunes, Google Play, and Stitcher. Search for at Wildcat News and subscribe. For Oscar on Twitter, he's at Wildcat News. Give him a follow. For Dr. Oldham and the O-Man, I'm Bo Robinson, and thank you for listening to this episode of Conversations with Oscar Combs, presented by Rafferty's and Double Dog's Chow House. And as always, go Big Blue.